0: From the Salvation Army, you're listening to Wonderful Words of Life. Well, welcome back to Wonderful Words of Life. We're glad that you're here, and we hope that you're enjoying our special guest, Captain Jimmy Taylor. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey, thanks for having me back. We have a, a lot going on. We've just celebrated Valentine's Day. Can we tell our listeners what you did for your your Valentine? Yes. So
1: Bernie kind of hinted at it, but uh, my wife, the, her love language is Chick Fil A. <laughs> um, I know that sounds like what this guy, but she loves Chick Fil A, and so we were able to take her out and without the kids and just have a have a nice lunch, just the two of us in a busy Chick Fil A. But uh, that. That's what means something to her.
0: Now, I know that a lot of our listeners are from North America here, you know, United States, Canada, and we've got some listeners around the world. And all I can say to you is if you have never experienced Chick-fil-A, let me explain it to you without shamelessly advertising for them that Chick-fil-A is made by people who love Jesus and uh, they did not invent the chicken. But they Just did the invent chicken the chicken sandwich. It's true. It's made by angels out here. <laughs> and we're grateful for them. Here, It is the home of Chick-fil-A here in Atlanta. And uh, one day, if they're looking for sponsorship opportunities, we, we hope that they'll underwrite <laughs> Wonderful right. Words of Life. That's right. Well, this week in our series, The Least of These, Rob and Heather begin discussing the cost associated with ministry and mission. There's a great quote that says, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you Everything. And ultimately, we need to be aware that following Jesus and being his hands and feet in this world will cost us something. That's a part of carrying each other's burdens, I think. Yeah. Jimmy, do you have stories where you uh, maybe offered some hands and feet in a sense or came alongside someone to help and it, it cost you more than you might have expected?
1: Yeah, I think we all have the experience of where you've, you've tried to help somebody and then the, your expectation of what they would be experiencing was you were let down. Mm. Um, you thought you were transforming their life and then it didn't materialize into that. Yeah. Um, but I can think of this one specific, uh, not too long ago, um, we were doing some helping this person, they were homeless, they needed a place for the night and we were um, trying to accommodate them, we didn't have anywhere to put them and so um, on my personal credit card we put them in a hotel and I don't advise anyone doing this, but we put them in a hotel room uh, for the night And uh, we went back the next day to check on them, bring them some breakfast and just wish them well. And um, when I got there, the door was open and the room was destroyed. Mm. Um, There was drugs that were left in the room. And uh, the hotel manager was just waiting for me, of course, uh, to arrive. And um, they did over almost $1,000 worth of damage. to this, this hotel room. And um, I was devastated. One, I don't have $1,000, but two, that my trust was betrayed. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to do something amazing for this person in my mind, and this is how I'm repaid. Mm. And um, we were able to work it out with the hotel manager where I didn't have to pay all of the damages. I had to pay some, but, um, you know, but I had to flip the way I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry is messy. Christianity is is difficult, and not everyone is at a point where they want to receive that. Mm. Um, and we have to come with that understanding. Yeah. Um, if we set our expectations that we are going to save the world every single time, we will be let down. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean you stop trying. Yeah, and uh, you know we continue. We continue to serve people. We
0: continue to minister to people. And and I
1: anticipate in my life there will be more times where Indeed. I'm let
0: down. And and there's other stories too that are maybe have a better ending. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in my case, someone opened their home to me mm. and let me stay with them while we were at, my wife and I were in transition moving to Atlanta, and uh, I had a place to stay for almost two months. Mm. But. You know, because of that, we were able to save some money. We were able to find a place that we could call home. And then we've done the same thing for many people that have come through town or maybe transitioning from college into their professional lives. And you just never know how that can really help someone, particularly in transition. But, you know, at at the end of the day, what we're hoping is that you'll just notice people in your ability to be present in in your community wherever you serve. when we say the least of these, we mean that every person that you look at is, is, in a sense, Jesus, and that you would treat them as such, even with just a loving glance or a, a hug or in maybe a more practical way. And if there's a Salvation Army in your community, I guarantee you there are people there that are willing to come alongside your, your desire to help people. Uh, particularly with the idea of soup, soap, and salvation. So be encouraged this week by the message and come back and join us next week so we can discuss this a little bit more.
2: We're really excited to join with you again this week as we discuss counting the cost, specifically looking at scripture from Mark chapter five. We can all agree that Jesus is the one who paid the cost, like the ultimate cost. Absolutely no questions asked about that. But there is a cost to ministry. Uh, Billy Graham once famously said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. I remember the first time I heard that from a very wise mentor. And it rubbed me the wrong way because I didn't want it to be too hard. I didn't want this life following Jesus to be too heavy and weighty because I felt like the life I had left behind, that sun scorched land, that lonely way of living, that had been heavy. But this is a bit different because um, Jesus doesn't ask me to bear this weight or this cost alone. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when he says that, he's saying straight up, look, y'all, it's going to be hard. There's going to be challenges, but you're not in this alone. If you will connect to me and be part of my team, and allow me to lead. I'll show you the way to navigate what I want you to do in the world. There is a cost to doing this ministry. And when we look into scripture, Mark chapter five, we see the account of Jesus restoring a demon possessed man.
3: Right, so we're confronted with a story where Jesus, um, and this is, uh, you know, just good to know right after he calms the storm. So he's kind of coming out of this pretty intense uh, day and evening and then just kind of moves right into the, the next day. And uh, as he's crossing the lake to the other side, of course, he is runs into this guy who scripture says he's demon-possessed, this guy that's in torment. And uh, as we read this, the evil spirit came out from the tomb. So this guy's hanging out in the tombs, right? Hanging out in that a That can't be
2: good, I'm just saying.
3: Right? Um, the man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with the chain. That's intense. Right, then it says, Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him." So this guy's overtaken by this torment in his life where there's nothing anyone else can do anymore. Like, they've done everything. Now he's just forced to go, and you just gotta kinda hang out in the graveyard in these caves, in these tombs, uh, and you can't come near anyone. Just get, get out of the village and then comes Jesus.
2: Right, because the villagers have done everything they knew to do and they'd come to the end of themselves. And you and I both know with the years we've spent um, in ministry to people who are experiencing addiction that quite often we'd have conversations with family members and spouses um, and spiritual community about that person they were bringing in for treatment that they're like, we just don't know what else to do. And um, sometimes I think the, the village here gets a bad rap because uh, they didn't. They had driven the guy out and chained him up, and uh, you know, ostracized him. And we're like, hey, that's not cool. But the truth is, is like having someone in your midst, like. It sounds to me this is not the kind of fellow that you want volunteering in the in the nursery at the Sunday school, right? Like right. Y- you can't have this guy around. One would think in healthy functioning community, you got to get him away. You got to right. get Probably him out they, there.
3: They've tried everything that they've thought of trying already. One would hope, right? So then comes Jesus, right? And I love that it says that even when Jesus was a far distance away, the guy recognized him.
2: Wow.
3: Right. And then, as Jesus approaches, of course, he has this encounter with Jesus, and uh, that torment inside him, that uh, depression, uh, those demons that he was battling, uh, are confronted with the Son of the Living God.
2: That's right; they really are. And uh, you know, if you are familiar with the story, you know what happens next: is um, Jesus has like this crazy conversation with the guy and 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 with his uh, with his demons, and. Uh, the demons themselves end up being flung into this herd of pigs that was nearby, which, you know, I mean, I did not grow up on a farm. I do not know about things, but uh, I just know that that herd of pigs would have represented community wealth because right. they would have used- That's food. They would have used the sustenance. Um, they would have used it for lots of things. And so um, you got this whole field of pigs and you got this dude who it's his job- or it's their job to tend those pigs. And that day, it was a day like no other day because their safe space, hanging out with the pigs, had become an unsafe space, right? Right.
3: Well, Jesus shows up and he's a disruptive force. He sure is. To this situation, right? He interrupts this uh, darkness. He interrupts uh, the torment. In this guy's life. And this guy's begging with Jesus. He's like, please, Jesus, this thing in me, this thing in me that is separating me from my community, from my family, that's tearing me apart. Would you make it go far away? Mm. Would you would you get it out of me and make it go far away?
2: So what he does and uh, is he sends the spirits into these 2000 pigs and right. the pigs are driven mad and they run down and they jump off the end of a cliff and all that is a lot for me to imagine. But what happens is those tending the pigs freak out. They run off and they can't wait to go back and report it in town about what has just happened. So they do it all in the town and all up the countryside. And mm-hmm. what happens next?
3: As soon there's a crowd yes, there is. around Jesus. Yes, now, there when is. a crowd gathers around Jesus, sometimes they're there to, you know, honor Christ. And sometimes they're <laughs> there to push you off a cliff.
2: Right, which is a really interesting point to know in his ministry. He wasn't that concerned about impressing people or pleasing people. He knew that his work was to do the will of the father.
3: Right. And then there's this moment where I think maybe they had to count the cost. Right. Because these folks are pig farmers, but we understand a principle here as well, that when we see someone come out of great darkness and restored into community, there's a cost.
2: Right. Which is so interesting because um, the fella that ends up being delivered is like... um, can you just take me with you? (laughs) And I don't blame him, right? Like, he's just heard all these people be like, just take your ministry and get out of here, Jesus. Like, there wasn't, there did not seem to be celebration. Like, I mean, scripture is silent on that, but there wasn't celebration of like, what, Larry, man, good to have you back. You know, like, come on over tonight and hang out with the wife and kids. Like, there's none of celebration about the miracle that's taken place because everyone is so shocked at what it has now meant for the community. And that is like a real legit thing. So maybe, um, we don't have, in our part of the world, like, herds of pigs as our livelihood. Mm-hmm. But there are times in ministry where, uh, when Jesus shows up and brings restoration, that um, it everyone doesn't get to stay comfortable.
3: Right. It disrupts our kind of church community that we're all kind of used to and comfortable in.
0: The Salvation Army's mission, Doing the Most Good, means helping people with material and spiritual needs. You become a part of this mission every time you give to the Salvation Army. Visit SalvationArmyUSA.org to offer your support. And we would love to hear from you. Email us at radio at Call 1-800-229-9965 or write us at P.O. Box 29972, Atlanta, Georgia. 30359. When you contact us, we'll send you our gift for this series. It's totally free for listeners like you, one per household, while supplies last. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast store and be sure to give us a rating. Just search for Wonderful Words of Life. Follow us on social media for the latest episodes, extended interviews, and more. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit your local Salvation Army Worship Center. They'll be glad to see you. This is Bernie Dake inviting you to join us next time for the Salvation Army's Wonderful Words of Life.